wanted this pretty lady to come up here with me. This is... Uh, One of the most outstanding ladies you will ever meet in your life. <laughs> She's the most giving and caring person I think that I, I know. And uh, when she was still a teenager, for just a few days, uh, we were married Someone told us about a little church in McCall that uh, didn't have a pastor, temporarily closed, and her aunt suggested that we uh, check on that and see if it might be a possibility. I'd borrowed $50 from my father-in-law. He always tried to remind me I never had paid him back yet. <laughs> but uh, we loaded up my hot 88 Oldsmobile and uh, loaded it up with our stuff and went from Walla Walla back to McCall. And uh, that next Sunday, we was introduced as their new pastor. And uh, that was 69 years ago. And this lady has stood by my side. She played a hot ham and organ and um, accordion and I picked the guitar and we sang and preached and got started off pretty early and that was 69 years ago and uh, she has been an amazing pastor's wife she uh, gave birth and helped raise three of the finest kids you've ever known and uh, are some of our kids here today Oh, there they are back here. <laughs> Your pastor's wife is one of them. And uh, I think it's just been a, a wonderful journey. And uh, she started cooking on a wood cook stove. And uh, she was brave. She just kept her head up and, and uh, moved straight ahead. And I just appreciate her so much. And thank God every day for this wonderful companion that God permitted me to travel with. I want her to greet you today. Well, this wasn't planned because I told him I wasn't going to get up here. But I just want to thank the Lord for this gorgeous guy that would, he just really seems young. And what are you, 90 years old almost? <laughs> Can't believe it. But we've had a, a blessed journey. I know his sermon's going to be pretty serious, so I'm going to get on the lighter side just to give you a little bit of taste of our life. When we moved here to Caldwell in 79, we moved out um, on Ward Lane, right where the old Barbara Front School is, if some of you people know where that is. And then we built the church out there. We lived in a trader house, and our, our kids thought that was the most beautiful place to live. They had so much fun. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> We were working hard. I mean, I played the piano. I taught church. I cleaned the church. Seventy-nine, seventy-five dollars a week was our salary, wasn't it? 
I think it was 75 a week. So uh, there was no salary for anything else. So we had to do everything. Norm was building the church, designed the Head Start school that's out there now. Well, anyway, we were there that time and we were exhausted most of the time. And I remember one Sunday afternoon, we just got home from church and I think we'd invited friends and I had company. And up the driveway came a woman barreling up our driveway and she screeched to a stop and I went out there and she says, uh, she went on and on about this pastor in this beautiful suit and this white shirt and we were so rich and oh my goodness and I went out there and I started screaming I said you get yourself out of here get down that trail and get going and Norm tapped me on the shoulder says Rube get in the house I can only stand two crazy ladies at one time <laughs> oh gosh we had <laughs> that was one of the funnier sides I'm telling you we had some beautiful other beautiful times in this community we've had hundreds of funerals and lots of marriages and I love Idaho I'm an Idaho girl born Rupert raised in Twin Falls and um, I just love Idaho uh, anyway I just can't say enough good enough about my husband he is a man of God when he gets up to speak he's got something to say and I'm gonna let him say it you guys receive what he has to say it's from the Lord. I know, I know, because I have been around him for years and years, and uh, I better stop right now. stuff put away here somewhere well God is good isn't he uh, just before I get started uh, do all you ladies have a sack a brown bag if not if you'd wave your hand at the usher uh, they'll uh, try to get one to you and um, I'd like for all you men to have a rock if you don't have a little rock uh, would you ushers mind seeing to it that uh, all the men have a, a rock. We'll be uh, referring and using those in a little bit. Are you, are you glad for the word of the Lord? God's word is a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our pathway. And uh, I'm trusting God will enable me to say something that will help you to Make your way home today encouraged and uh, inspired and uh, ready to fight the good fight of faith. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for these wonderful people that have gathered here today. I thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we appreciate your goodness and grace and mercy. And now I pray, Lord, that you would enable me to express your word in a way that will speak to the heart of your people, Lord, and give them the guidance, the direction, the encouragement, the inspiration that they need for the coming days. Bless your word, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to say something, hopefully today, that will set you up for an experience of miraculous proportions in your life. Someone here needs to hear what I have to say to you. You've maybe had feelings that your life is kind of routine, even mundane. You're failing to see the potential that God has planted in you. To this point, you have not understood nor realized the possibilities that reside in your heart, in your mind, in your dreams, in your aspirations. It's an important thing for us to understand God's purpose for our life. If you feel and understand that, then every day has meaning and significance. But there are times when we fail to understand that, comprehend that, and feel as though we maybe don't matter that much. I might be speaking to someone here today that has actually questioned this past week the value and the purpose and the significance of your life and your existence. God has a word for you today. I want to talk to you about lunch makers and well diggers. In your hand is a sack. It represents something. It's a lunch sack. There's some things that you need to understand that you maybe have thought were just kind of another act of the day, but turned out to be something a whole lot more significant. Those men of Men here that are holding a rock, this is a symbol of your labor and your work and your efforts. You're a well digger. You're accomplishing something. And that rock is going to represent some things in just a little bit. You maybe haven't understood the value of maybe even today. In the scripture, there are some Descriptions of things that are really quite surprising. God a lot of times has stagehands that are not seen. You don't really notice them, but they're important. They oftentimes set the stage and make the arrangements for something great and marvelous to happen, but you never see them. They're never out in front to get the accolades and hand applause and all the rest, but it they played their part, and uh, they were important. Years ago, when we were still out in the old uh, facility, uh, we had a traveling passion play, and uh, 40 teenagers uh, put on really quite an impressive drama. We traveled with it to Portland and Tacoma, Seattle, uh, Rupert, and Twin Falls, and every year we made a trip one direction, sometimes both directions. But every year there was at least one teenager that was one to the Lord through that effort. And uh, one year we went to Twin Falls. 
I don't know if some of you are here maybe that was there for that. Anyway, the last scene was the ascension. And uh, the cast all gathered around and Jesus was on a part of a, a prop, but it was a platform. And uh, three of the husky guys would, behind the cast concealing that, uh, was there ready to lift Jesus in the air. And um, as he started to rise, uh, the smoke powder would be set off and the cloud would come up and, and uh, basically obscure Jesus. And, and then while the smoke was still there, while the lights went completely out, Jesus was let down. And when the lights came back on, Jesus was gone into the heavens. Well, this year in Rupert, for some reason, somehow, I forgot to load the smoke uh, pan. And uh, one of the cast got my attention and said, there's no smoke. And uh, so I made a beeline for the back, the prop room where we had the props set up. And uh, I'd forgot to put the powder in there for the smoke deal. So the lights were out, of course, so that it wouldn't interfere. And uh, so basically, almost in the dark, I took the can of smoke powder and poured it out. Well, I couldn't see it. I didn't know how much I put in there. <laughs> and I put way too much. So when just a short time they got ready and, and everything was set and at the came point when Jesus was supposed to, to uh, rise, they set the smoke machine off. Man, kaboom! Almost sounded like an explosion. I mean, it filled the auditorium there with smoke. People couldn't hardly see. And um, that was a failure of the stagehand. None of those characters missed the line. None of them made any mistakes. But the stagehand had made a huge mistake. Oftentimes, there are those involved that aren't recognized, aren't seen, but they play a very important role. Uh, in the Old Testament, there is a story that most all of you know. How many have ever been told the story of Naaman the leper? You all know that story. And, and amazing how that he was uh, the chief captain to Benadad, and um, he was a powerful man, a rich man, but it says he was a leper. That changed the whole picture. That wrote disaster. That wrote tragic across the whole story of Naaman. And, um, but one day we read the story where he comes down the road with his horses and chariot, a lot of gifts, and uh, I think it was, I uh, forget how many chains of closing, I think it was, uh, eight or ten, and um, they told how much gold and silver that he brought with him to uh, present to this one that was supposed to have the answer and solution. And it's a great story. Of course, he did find the prophet. The prophet told him to go dip in, in the uh, river and seven times. And uh, he got kind of irritated and mad because the Jordan was not a very clean river, and he had nicer rivers in his own country. 
but reluctantly, and he uh, took off, and, and uh, they took him out in the river, and he dipped seven times. The seventh time he comes out of the water, cleansed. There wasn't a mark of leprosy on him. And uh, how happy and how wonderful uh, it was, and it changed the course of his life. And uh, he was a changed man. The whole world changed for him. But it all hinged upon one unnamed, unknown young lady. She had been carried away captive, and she was brought to his house, and she was basically the lunch maker. She helped wait on his wife, and uh, she was even captive as far as that's concerned, but uh, she was the housekeeper. And um, we don't even have her name. She didn't mean enough to even be known by her name in the scripture. But if it hadn't have been for her, Naaman would have died a leper. But one day in her routine, in her normal course of life, she dropped a word and said, Oh, I wish my master could see the prophet. And he would heal him of his leprosy. Just dropped the suggestion in the message. That was passed on, and he acted on it, followed through, and thus we have the story of Naaman the leper. But it all hinged upon one young lady that was the sandwich maker, the lunch maker. And she made the difference in the whole story. And then we have other stories. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and the, let me read that to you. Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jesus had been teaching and healing, blessing many people, and the word got around, and the crowds got bigger, and um, they followed him, and they wanted to be where Jesus was and, and see all that was happening. And uh, this particular day, 5,000 people were following Jesus. That's what the scripture says. Now, that's a pretty good-sized group of people. And... Um, as they got together and, and the disciples and Jesus stood there and saw this huge mass of people and knew that they were going to be there most of the day. They said, how are we going to feed all these people? We've got to try to take care of them. And uh, they counted up and, and uh, they had some money, but that wasn't even a starter of what it would take to feed 5,000 people. Then all of a sudden, one of the disciples says, uh, uh, but Master said, uh, we've got a young fellow here that has a lunch, and uh, he's got five loaves and two fishes. And uh, so, you know, they said, well, what's this going to do for this kind of people? This isn't enough for, for a handful of people. But Jesus took the boy's lunch, blessed it, Blessed those five loaves 
handed them to the disciples and the fish, and they fed everyone. They just kept multiplying. They didn't disappear. They just continued to increase. And uh, when they got through, the Lord said, now gather up the fragments and what's left over. And they gathered up 12 baskets full from a little boy's lunch. Amazing story. But there's a story behind that story that's still quite impressive. Doesn't describe it much. But the big question I ask is, who made that boy's lunch? How was it that he had a lunch? The fact remains that that morning, apparently early, he had expressed the desire to go see Jesus. And this faithful mother, we don't know her name. She's not known to us as far as any acquaintance. But she got things together, got those fish all put together, got the loaves together, and fixed his lunch. You ladies, get that sack in your hand right now. I want you to understand that it may be someday this week you're going to fix a lunch. It's not going to be anything necessarily big, not necessarily anything so uh, important or significant, but it's going to be a lunch that God's going to bless. It's going to be an act. It's going to be a deed. It's going to be something you do or say that's going to make the difference for a lot of people. You can be a lunch maker today and this week. The story behind that story is the mother that took time to make the lunch. Little did she know what that would accomplish and do today. I want you to understand, my friend, you ladies here, you never know in the course of this next week before we're here together again next Sunday, what some kind deed, thoughtful act, or some provision that you do is going to make a difference in somebody's life. I just want to encourage those of you that feel maybe you have already done something that was a blessing and significant, but it never was recognized. It was, never was anything made of it, but it blessed a lot of people. I want you to know, according to the word of the Lord, God saw that lunch. God knows about your little lunch sack here today. And God knows what he's going to inspire and encourage you to do this coming week that's going to make the difference in somebody else's life. It might be in your own children. It might be for your own daughter. It might be for your own son. But it also might be for some needy soul out there that's needing a touch and a blessing. And God's going to use you to make somebody a lunch. God's going to bless your faithfulness. You will undoubtedly and possibly make a difference this week in somebody's life. Then there's another story that is very impressive to me. This kind of gets more into our men's field. And that's David coming out to face the giant. And here comes this young man. He had normally been tending his father's sheep. Why is he even there? He's not a soldier. He's just a young man. 
probably still a teenager. But he had been faithful in what he knew and could do. You men, I want you to get your rock right now because I want that to be a significant thing for you in this coming week. This young man, David, had looked for a lot of rocks when he took care of his father's sheep. Every day while he was out there, he'd watch and look for good rocks that he could put in his sling, and then he'd practice. And he learned to swing that that slingshot in such a way that he could hit the mark and hit the target. He uh, studied those rocks. He learned what rocks would fly straight. He learned what shape was best, what size was best. Day by day by day, he was faithful in finding those rocks. And uh, he was prepared and he was ready. God gave him courage. God gave him boldness. And, but every day he was practicing his sling. I'd like to encourage the young men, but not just them. Us older fellows would do well to keep practicing, to keep prepared, keep ready. Get a better understanding of the purpose and the will and the design of God. Learn what works and what doesn't work. And keep that sling going. Every day, practice. Every day, pray. Every day, follow the will and the purpose and the word of God. Find those spiritual conquests that you can accomplish by the accuracy of your sling and the rock that you have. And so here comes this young fellow with a sling attached to him. But there was something else. He wasn't there to display his slingshot skill. He wasn't there to pronounce how many bear or lions he had killed. On his back probably was a big pack. And in that pack was a lunch for his brothers. His dad, the boys' uh, brothers, were soldiers in the army. And uh, his dad had been concerned about them, and so he wanted him to have a lunch. But I'm sure that it was his mother that fixed that lunch. And here we find David coming to fight the giant eventually with a lunch pack, backpack on his back, enough to feed his soldier brothers. Well, he heard the roar of this challenger, the giant. And um, he said, what does this mean? How is this that this fellow can challenge the army of God? And he looked over there, and here's his brothers, shaking and, and uh, afraid to go over there. And he said, well, let me go. And uh, they finally consented, but they tried the armor. And, he couldn't even maneuver well in that. He said, I have tried. This doesn't work. He said, I do know what works. And he got his sling out. And he went to the, the brook and he found five smooth stones. Now, you've only got one. I'd like to all of you had five, but he just had, he had five. You just got one. But I want it to be significant for you. Because we're in the need in this day 
And this time in our country and in our community, we need some giant killers. The devil's going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need some brave, righteous, godly men. Some fathers. Yes, we need you young men. We need you to stand up and take your stand for what's right. For godliness, for purity, for holiness, just for good citizenship. We're in need of good men today. We're in need of a lot of giant killers. The giants are roaring. They're challenging us. They're getting in our face with their wickedness and their sinfulness and ungodliness. And it's time that we confront Goliath. So take your rock, my brother. Get your sling out. And let's start killing some giants. It's a good thing to know that God can use you and how that God can use what you've got and what you are. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be a king. You don't have to be a politician. You don't have to be a governor. You can just be a child of God, a cho chosen vessel of the Lord. And so he went out. You know the story. He faced the giant. He got the right stone, the rock, and the sling. He went through his routine. He didn't have to practice, and then he was ready to go. That's an important spiritual lesson to learn today. Don't wait until you get into a crisis to decide it's time to pray, to seek, search the scriptures, to get prepared spiritually. You need to be ready today to face what you might come to tomorrow. You need to be ready. David was, and the sling began to whistle, and he let go. And a stone possibly about the size that you men have in your hand found its way to the vulnerable mark, the open forehead of the giant. And down he went, and that ended the battle, and the victory was for the children of Israel. And it was a turning point also in David's life. But why do we even have the story of David? Why do you think he was even there? It's not even a reasonable thing to understand that he was even supposed to be there. You know why? Because a mother packed a lunch. A mother prepared the food for his brother soldiers and filled his lunch sack and on his back, he carried lunch for his brothers, but it brought him to the position and the place that God wanted him. I want you mothers, you ladies, to know that this sack in your hand represents possibly something this week that God will open the door or impress or put upon your heart to do, that you're going to pack a lunch this week, and it's going to make the difference. It's going to bring about the result as like it was in David in that wonderful story of David the giant killer. But in reality, we know about the story because a mother packed a lunch. It's an important thing for us to know God's purpose in our life. And then there's the story of 
the woman that came to the well. And uh, man, that's a beautiful story. And we all uh, love to think about that story. She came, and but when she got there, it was different that day. To make it a little brief, save a little time, I'll just get right through it. Jesus told his disciples, I, I've got to go this way today. And uh, they all went on and went in to, I think, get some food, or they went to do something, and Jesus came to Jacob's well. It says he sat on it. We have the beautiful story of the woman at the well for a reason. And that was that many, many years before, Isaac dug a well. You can read it in the Old Testament. I won't take time uh, to read it. But uh, Isaac had dug some wells. And uh, the enemy and some bad neighbors came along and threw things in the wells and destroyed them and uh, ruined them. And so he just moved on and found another place to dig another well. And, and uh, then finally he found a time and a place that he dug a well that was going to last forever. And uh, they didn't damage that well. And Isaac gave that well to Jacob. And Jacob owned that well down through the years. It's amazing to understand and know the difference between a water hole and a well. I went on a safari in Africa one time and I got a, um, oh, I can't even say the name of it. And, uh, but I had set up a, a blind by a water hole. The water's dirty. Most animals wouldn't have come there to drink. But this Impala was. He came to the water hole. But that water hole was only there for just a while, and it wouldn't have been but just a few days, and that water hole would be gone, and so would the animals have to move. Spiritually, there's a lot of difference between a water hole and a well. There's a lot of difference between a dry hole and a good well. Just because you drill a well sometimes doesn't mean you get water. The important thing is that there's water there. The people who in the past years have sacrificed and underneath your feet, this auditorium and on this platform are the signatures of a lot of people that came here. They send it. They helped, they cleaned, they, they helped do things that they could, and, and uh, they were all part of the well. You are sitting today upon a well that was designed and with the vision and the hope that this would not just be a well or a dry hole, but water would flow in this well. This the house, this building is not the important thing. It's the fact that there's a flow of the water of God's blessing and spirit. I'm so thankful for the leadership of our church, our pastors, and those that labor here that do what's important and necessary to keep this place a safe place 
a healthy place, a helpful place, a life-changing place. There's water flowing here. Don't you love the flow of the Spirit of God? Hallelujah. The waters that flow, that bring refreshing, renewing, that actually bring life. And this day, it says, Jesus came and sat on the well. I envisioned this morning as I was sitting over there and I prayed, Oh God, Jesus, sit on our well today. Be present at our well today to speak and touch and change the life of some hungry person coming here who has found life a struggle, who has found life a difficulty, who has had to live for some time in hurts, in losses, disappointments. Oh, Jesus, sit on our well here today and be here to greet those that come thirsty for the water of life that will make the difference. And Jesus was there when this lady came. And probably she had maybe come many times to that well, but this time was different. The main difference was Jesus was there. You might have been to church a hundred times before, but you came today and you found Jesus waiting for you at the well. You sat down here and during the worship, the praise team, during the flow of God's presence and spirit, you felt the friendship. You felt the sincere interest of this one that's sitting on the well today. And she went to draw water and Jesus said, why don't you give me to drink? Now that's quite a, a question, isn't it? She thought, well, the audacity of this man. First of all, we don't speak to each other, our clans. And secondly, why would this man ask me to do that? And, uh, but Jesus said, give me to drink. And uh, then he said, but if you ask of me, I will give you water that you never thirst again. Now that struck a note in this woman's heart. She had been there day after day. Her life was a succession of failures, disappointments, probably hurts. She had several husbands. None of them were reasonable or helpful, apparently. She was a disappointed, broken woman. But Jesus gave her a chance to give him a drink. And then as he gave her water, they came close. Their hands probably almost touched as she was given water. And something happened in her heart. Somebody sitting here today, you have come to the well many times. You've been through the routine. You've been through the practice a lot of times. But something different is happening today. You're feeling the close presence of the Lord. You're in the proximity of the presence of Jesus. It's hard to explain, but it's a lot different when Jesus is there. When the well is there, but Jesus isn't there, it's a lot different. 
But when Jesus is at the well, it'll be a different day for you. Right now, I feel the holy presence of the Lord Jesus himself. As we are gathered in his name, he said, I will be there. Jesus is here right now. I sense his presence. He might be close enough that you could reach out in faith and touch him right now. I encourage you to do that, friend, in your own way, in your own heart, in your own emotions, in your own understanding. I just want you to know Jesus cares for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is interested in you. And you can have water that you'll never thirst again. So right now, if you would just understand the significance of the closeness and proximity of Jesus, I want God to do a great work in your life. I'm thankful for the flow of the Spirit of God here today. One of the other most interesting stories in the Bible is that of Naomi. Her husband and her had moved because of famine. And uh, they and God to Moab, and, and uh, there their daughters married uh, two men from Moab, Milan and Chilean. And uh, for some time they enjoyed life as it was. And then uh, things happened quickly. All of a sudden, uh, Naomi's husband died. She was brokenhearted. She was devastated. She was now left without a husband in a strange country, not knowing what the future held for her. But close to her were those daughter-in-laws. How many of you mothers are glad for your daughter-in-laws? Come on. Come on, don't be afraid. They can be a great blessing to you. They can be a great encouragement to you. And, of course, they can be a disappointment, too. But I'm talking to the wives here today that have gone through a tough time. You've maybe lost your husband. You maybe lost your companion of many years. And your heart is broken. And your life seems quite devastated. But on top of that, it wasn't too long until both her sons died. Now put yourself in this story. She loses her husband, he dies. Then she loses her two sons. And now she's alone in this strange country. And she is brokenhearted. I won't take time, but you can read her story of how she expressed herself. She said, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I came over here full, but now I'm empty. God has dealt very bitterly with me. And life seemed to have kind of come to an end for her as far as dreams and hopes and aspirations. I very likely am talking to somebody today that's sitting here and you have done your very best to make the best of things. You've tried to keep your head up. You've tried to be strong, courageous, but it's tough. It's hard. 
You sometimes in the secrecy of your prayers and your closet praying have questioned and wondered, God, what are you doing to me? What's all of this about? Why me? Why is this happening to me? I'm glad to tell you this morning that even though I don't have all the answers for you, I do want to tell you that Jesus cares. Jesus cares. And he understands. And uh, so things happen for this widow, alone, yes, bitter, disillusioned. And they went back to their own country. But in the process, the one daughter-in-law, help me out, folks. Not Ruth, the other one. Uh, Naomi, no, not Naomi, that's the mother. The daughter-in-law. Orpha, Orpha, that's the one. You see, I didn't even remember her name. She's forgotten. You, you, you don't remember Orpha much, do you? You never read about her. You never hear about her. Why? Because it says she went back into her old country. It makes a whole lot of difference how you react to the circumstances of your life. It makes a lot of difference the choices that you make and decisions that you make. And so Orpha turns and goes back into her idolatrous country and we never hear from her again. But here comes Ruth. She comes over to Naomi and she says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. How many times have you heard that beautiful expression? Where you go, I will go. I will not depart from you. And I'm with you all the way. And so here comes Orpha. I mean, here comes Naomi and Ruth back to Naomi's own country. But see, in reality, she's now only the sandwich maker. She doesn't have a husband. She's a widow. She doesn't have any permanent place. It's kind of an empty world to her. It's not the same life that she came out and came from. But she could still make sandwiches. She could still make lunches. Hold on to your bag right now. Assure yourself, I can still make a lunch. Irregardless of what's happened to me, irregardless of what I've lost, the hurts I've gone through, the disappointments I've had to encounter and and, uh, try to navigate through, I can still make a lunch. I can still make a lunch. And so she just coaches Ruth and she guides Ruth in her wisdom, though she has nothing to offer her, she doesn't have money, she doesn't have anything to really give her, but she told Ruth the good pointers. Here's a good idea. Here's what you do. Here's how you glean. And she kind of had some motives in mind because she was wanting to get Ruth in proximity to that handsome fellow that she knew. And sure enough, you know what happened. 
she fell in love with Boaz. And Boaz loved her, and they got married, and they had a baby. All this time that Naomi made lunches, she still probably had dreams. If only, if only, if only my husband hadn't died, if only my sons hadn't died, if only, you know, life sometimes gets to the point where we're down to the if only. But she was faithful, kept making lunch, kept fixing lunch. And the day came that Ruth and Boaz had a baby. That was her grandbaby. Naomi had the joy and the blessing of cradling in her arms her grandbaby. Is there anything more rewarding than that, you grandparents here? To hold those precious grandbabies and love them and love them with a love that's hard to describe and understand. And so she cradles and rocks this baby, even yet not knowing that eventually the descendants of that little baby that she cradled in her arms would be the lineage of the Redeemer of the world. That baby was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So here's the woman who felt she'd been dealt with bitterly, so harshly, so unfairly, who felt like she was through and her life was over, now cradles in her arms the hopes, the dreams, the desires of a waiting world. And it's so great to know that God cares for us. God is here today with his presence. God is here with his spirit. I feel impressed right now as the prayer team gets ready in just a moment. I want to pray for those here. I don't know if you want to identify yourself or not. But you feel like you somehow or another kind of fit in the category of Naomi. You've experienced some hurts. You're battling with some of the questions and wonderment about what the significance of your life is. I can tell you for sure, there's a lot of days I, I fight some, some really tough emotions and feelings. I get frustrated that I can't do what I used to do. That I can't accomplish things that used to be a joy and, and a privilege and a blessing. But this is a stage in life that we all come to. I'm here to tell you that this well is here to bring hope and encouragement to those that feel today the emptiness, maybe the bewilderment, maybe the sadness and hopelessness, if you please, of where you're at right now. I want to pray for you. If you want to extend your hands to the Lord, if you want to maybe even hold your little lunch sack, I want God to fill your hope, your mind, your heart with hope, with purpose and vision. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for these precious elderly women, for our ladies 
that are gray-haired, whose steps are weak and feeble, their strength is limited, but also in their spirit, they're broken, they're hurting, they're frustrated. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that you be the lifter of their head. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd minister to them in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring encouragement, to bring renewed purpose, renewed desires, renewed comprehension of their value. They are precious to us. They are valuable to us. They're valuable to you, Lord. Maybe they feel assigned today to just that of the lunch maker. But God has purpose for you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will feel literally in your arms today the birth of a new life, a new hope, a new dream, a new aspiration. God bless these precious elders. Thank you, O oh God, that you have blessed this house with wonderful elder people that bring blessing and goodness to all of us in so many wonderful ways. Richly bless them right now with your spirit. Let the anointing and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit encourage and refresh them. In Jesus' name. And I feel impressed to pray for the young ladies. Um, we're in a confused world right now. It's a dangerous time for our young ladies, our young women. And it's important that God speaks and touches you. I'd like for the prayer team to come right now and I want to pray for you young ladies. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will inspire that you will grant them vision and purpose and a clear understanding of how important and valuable it is for them to be strong believers and servants of the Lord Jesus. Bless these young ladies, O oh God, with virtue, with moral principles, Lord, that will keep them safe and secure and that the devil does not devastate their lives. I pray your protection. I pray your care. I pray your blessing. Right now, Lord, speak your peace and your love into their heart. Hallelujah. And I want to pray for you men. You men are so important to us. I'm so thankful for the strong men that we have in this church. I'm so thankful for the godly men that we have in this church. God has a purpose for your life. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you minister, Lord, to these well drillers, these well diggers. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them in the power of your spirit. Lord, may they not choose the easy route, but make them willing, Lord, to make the commitment and the sacrifice. Bless them now in the name of Jesus. I'd like for you all to stand right now. Now, those of you that know that God spoke to your heart, 
those of you that know that God is doing a work in your heart and you'd like to solidify that I'd like for you to make your way right down here to one of these prayer teams that they can encourage you in prayer that they can minister to you in the love and the joy and the presence of the Lord Jesus you need to get in close proximity with those at the well today hallelujah you glad you came to the well you glad Jesus is at the well? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad for the well. I'm glad for you. I'm glad we're all gathered today at the well. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he provide your needs. May he fill your cupboards with food. May he fill your home with joy and peace. May your lives be blessed material as well as spiritually. And may you have courage and confidence for the days through this next week. And may, men, you have the courage to be well diggers. May the Lord give you women the courage, confidence, and determination to keep making your lunches. God, I thank you for your people. Bless them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.